welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. This morning I'm going to do two things. The first thing I want to do is introduce our new series, Markers of the Garden. The second thing I'm going to do is talk about Jesus, the first marker. But in order to kind of introduce the series, I just thought it would be helpful for for you to kind of hear a little bit of our story. About five and a half years ago, we began as what would become the garden, a meeting in an old church basement on 4th and Elm. We met in homes. We met in coffee shops. We met in parks. And we didn't have a mission statement. We didn't have a website. We didn't have a five-year vision plan. We didn't have a budget or lots of people. But what we had from the beginning was a reality, the ultimate reality. We knew that Jesus lived. He lives. And we wanted to live for him. All we had when we started was Jesus and this great mission field called Long Beach. And from the beginning, we knew that it was going to be about Jesus and our vision would be about him. And so we saw Jesus and this great mission, and we saw a city that desperately needed a Jesus-loving community. So when we came, we were gathering at the rescue mission. We were praying in homes. We were praying at different old churches, uh, just trying to figure out what we were about. We were uh, throwing parties for men living with HIV and AIDS in group homes. We were doing beach cleanups, and we were just trying to figure out what it meant to actually live out what it means to be church together. That's where the story began. It started there. And then what happened along the way is people started giving their lives to this. People started moving from Newport Beach houses to Long Beach, from Redondo, from Los Alamitos to inner city Long Beach to be a part of whatever this thing was that was unfolding without a name, without a clear mission, without any clear path to get involved or anything like that. And, and, and it started to take on a life of its own. And that's when I look back at the early days of our church, which is really almost, it'll be five years in October officially. Um, but I see people that began to give their lives and leave a church of 7,000 people to be a part of 20 something, 30 something people pouring their lives out to a city that desperately needed it. And as I was thinking about the series, you know, um, I realized that there are theological convictions that have shaped our approach to ministry in Long Beach. The way we read scripture, the way we see the mission of Jesus, the way we we relate to one another and do family and hospitality, the way we want to constantly pour our lives back out to God's mission and to those that are hurting, those that are suffering, those that don't belong to anything. That, that Those are theological statements and, and uh, it's really a theological vision for how the church ought to operate and be. And I realize that I carry a lot of assumptions, and some of us that have been here for a while, we carry a lot of assumptions. So this series has really been about articulating what we've always been about in clear and concise ways. Um, From the beginning, all we had was Jesus. We didn't have stage lights. We didn't have budgets. We didn't have people, you know, at the end of the day, we just had him. And, you know, for me, I just want to say this, that the way the story begins shapes the story that you tell. How the story begins always shapes the story that you're telling. 
And so for us, I always want to remember where we began and how we began and why we began because the beginning is always the most important. So this is kind of a, a reminder. So the next six weeks uh, is a series. The series is de- designed to reorient our church, us, on our mission and values and culture as a church. Uh, these are markers that you'll find in everything we do. Community groups, Sunday gatherings. Why do we call people forward to get prayer? Why do we sing songs? Why do we pass buckets? It all has to do with our theological vision for what God's trying to do in this city. And, and my hope for this whole thing is that you would embody these markers. That as a community, we would be anchored around these words that are more than words. Um, and the markers of the garden are Jesus, worship, mission, family, the spirit, and generosity. Jesus, worship, mission, family, spirit, and generosity. And so for us, that's what this next six weeks look like, looks like. And it's so important that you're here. Um, I, I think this is a, a very important series for us to define the next season, the next five years of our journey, okay? So welcome to marked, or, uh, Markers of the Garden. Our first marker is Jesus. Our first marker is Jesus. Jesus, you know, see, as a community, um, we are marked by the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of our church. If, you know, people come to me and they always want to know, what's your, doc- you know what, what's your doctrine? What's your theological belief statements? And it's really interesting because the creeds throughout history have done a great job of articulating the, the basics of faith. The Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, the Evangelical Statement of Faith, all these things are really important. But... There's flash photography in here. Thank you. It's okay. But for me and for Paul, hey, remember you're off social media. What's going on? <laughs> oh, it's just sending to my mom. Uh, my mom's not here. She's uh, recovering from surgery. Um, but so for me, when, you know, when you look at Paul, he's, his summary of his theology is Jesus. Do you know this? And so for us, here's something I want to just make sure you understand, that the sum of all our theological beliefs is Jesus. And I want you to wrap your mind around this. He is the living, breathing God who exists forever. He is everything for us. He is the the God that, that continues to live and is present everywhere. It's not some philosophical belief system that we buy into in Christianity. It is a person who has been revealed in human history. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth that lived 2,000 years ago. Died on a cross and rose again. Jesus is the sum of all of our theological beliefs. Everything we believe, all the nuances of our doctrine, spring from knowing God through His Son, Jesus. He's the reason we exist, the goal we aim for, the explanation of life. Everything we do should directly reflect this core belief. It's all about Jesus. So I'm just going to say this over and over again today. It's all about Jesus. And I want you to know this. When we make that statement, There are a lot of other Jesuses out there. And this morning, all I want to do is clarify who we're talking about when we talk about Jesus. You with me? All right. So when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about a very particular person. And I know that even in this room, even in our own experiences, we have various distorted views of who God is. Do you know this? Some of you worship the angry judge, the sin manager. The cosmic traffic cop who's waiting for you to mess up so he can come in and prove to you that you're not worth it. Do 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 any of us hold these kind of particular views of God? The God that is, is distant, he's the absentee landlord. 
We all carry in these, these particular views of Jesus. And, and even in the world today, Jesus' name is used all throughout the church. You hear it all the time. It's like this catchphrase. You, you've heard this statement. It's all about Jesus. But when we talk about Jesus, I want to talk about Jesus of the scriptures. The G, so the assumption that I bring as the lead pastor is any theology, any, any statement of faith, anything that we claim is authoritative, it has to come from the Bible. It has to be from the Word of God. It has to come from the source itself, which is the Scriptures. And so I'm passionate about Jesus, as you can tell, because I've sat down for two seconds. I'm passionate about the Scriptures, and I want our church to be passionate about both of those things. And allow allow God, Jesus, allow, allow the Word to just go into our lives and fill us and fill our mind, our thoughts, our energies. Um, and so when we talk about Jesus this morning, I just want to talk to you for a little bit about the Jesus that is revealed in history, the Jesus that is revealed um, in the New Testament, the Jesus that is revealed to us that we are rooting ourselves around. Okay, you guys with me on that? So I'm just going to have a few, few uh, verses to go through, a couple of statements, and then we'll invite response after that. Sound good? Colossians chapter 1. You know, there are so many statements about Jesus. There are so many passages in Scripture. And I love Paul in particular because he was a church planner. And he wrote some books um, and letters to the church to encourage the churches that he planted. And as he writes, he always gives, you know, uh, his, his form of writing is something called the, imperat- the indicative and the imperative. Where he would say, this is the gospel. This is the ultimate truth. Now you have to live in response to this. Either you live in response to this or you don't. That was, that's how he wrote. And so in chapter 1 of Colossians, he writes to this church, and he just has this unbelievable statement about who Jesus is. So when we talk about Jesus, this is the Jesus that we're talking about. Verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. And if you want to say amen after some of these, go ahead, okay? I'm just giving you free permission to just agree with what Paul's writing. The firstborn over all creation, for in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That is good news. If you can't keep your budget together, he holds that together. You can't hold your marriage together. He holds that together. Your, your body is literally falling apart. He holds that together. That's the Jesus we're talking about. This is good. He is, and when the Greek word for all things, it literally translates all things. Just so you know, just giving you some uh, lexic, lexicon work there. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. That is such good news for me. <laughs> Because I've blown it so many times in the last five years, and I promise I'm going to keep blowing it. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to say we're going to go after this thing, and it might not work out. You know why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm flawed. But I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the garden. And our job is to align ourselves in prayer, in work, in action, in every aspect of our lives, to align ourselves to Him and do our very best to keep up and not get in the way. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. 
all his fullness dwelt in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. That word reconcile is things are, are meant to be together, but they're separated. And God, through Jesus, has reconciled everything, all things, back to himself through Jesus. And how did he do it? It says, and through him to reconcile uh, to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the Jesus we worship. This is the marker of the garden. This kind of God. You with me? And then Paul goes on and he says, I love this. He just, he wants to add it so you know who he's talking about and what it means for us. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. So if you've ever lied, if you've ever uh, said a false truth or you've ever manipulated a conversation, if you've ever talked back to your parents, if you've ever talked down to your kids, if you ever snapped at your wife, if you ever did something that you knew you shouldn't do, if you're addicted, if you're uh, uh, stuck in a place that's full of evil and sinful behavior, if you've looked at pornography before, all of that has made you an enemy of God. But because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, you are no longer alienated. You are no longer alienated. What he says is, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. You're all holy. If you say yes to Jesus, uh, Paul's word for it is uh, hagioi is the Greek word. And it's where we get the word saints or holy ones. When Paul writes to the church, he doesn't say you sinners shape, shape up. He says those that have been power washed from the inside out. Is that good news? If you continue in, uh, it says holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm. Do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Now, that's a confident writer, I'm just going to say. Paul's literally saying every creature in heaven has been uh, preached this gospel under heaven. And Paul became a servant for it. So when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the guy, the God who created all things, he reconciled all things to himself through the cross. He, we're talking about Jesus that we were separated from, but did everything he could so that we could walk in right relationship with him. Not just right relationship with God, but with each other and with our own selves, with all of creation, as Paul says in this, ca- in this case. So in Colossians chapter 1, one simple observation is Jesus is everything. Would you agree? <laughs> So uh, go to, I want to look at John's gospel because there are so many great passages. I'm just trying to identify, again, the Jesus we're talking about. Because whether you know this or not, there are, are, are Christians who say that Jesus didn't really raise from the dead. He didn't, he, resurrection is a story. It didn't actually happen in human history. We don't believe that. We believe actually Jesus was raised from the dead physically and his body is physical and that he reigns um, uh, with God as God and his life that he offers is for us. Are you with me? I'm just clearing up some of the misconceptions so that if Jesus uh, saves his enemies, what does that mean for us? Paul will say this in Romans, right? But look at what John says, different writer, different guy. He was a disciple of Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the word. Logos or logos, which uh, is means word. And um, he says, and the word, and he's referring to Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him all things, what's up with all these things, um, were made 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Did you guys catch that? We're good on that, right? Okay, cool. We'll keep moving. In him was life. Oh. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Skip down to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. When we talk about Jesus, we talk about the Jesus that who is before all things and in all things. The Jesus who was with God and is God and created all things. The Jesus that as the gospel, I'm sorry, as Eugene Peterson writes in this passage, he translated, translates verse 14 this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into, our, into the neighborhood. The Jesus, the God we worship as Christians is a God who didn't leave us on our own, but took on flesh and blood and moved in next door. That's the God we're talking about. So when we talk about practically, how do we organize ministries? How do we begin to to do budgets? How do we gather and worship? How do we minister to Franklin neighborhoods? We're talking about taking on flesh and blood and moving into the neighborhood and acting and living like Jesus did and continues to do through us. That's the marker. The marker is to live like Jesus, to surround our lives with him and move forward. Are you with me? So this is the Jesus we're talking about. We're talking about this Jesus, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. I love this line because it's helpful for us. As, as the, um, when, when Jesus ascended into heaven and the, the church begins in Acts chapter 2, we talked about this. Uh, Peter's first message, he proclaims to the audience, or those outside wondering, what's going on? You guys are speaking in tongues. You guys are drunk. He's like, no, we're not drunk. We're intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. So I guess we are drunk. In other words, we're filled with the presence of God and when that happens, we can't help but just share. It's, it just gets all over the place. It's a mess. That's my, you know, it's just like you're just fumbling all over the place with God and people are noticed. And so he gives a testimony to the resurrection of Christ. And he says in verse 36, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. God has made Jesus Lord and Savior. And that's, that's the Jesus we're talking about. The God who has been crucified and been raised, uh, raised from the dead and is now Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords, and Savior for all. You... So when we talk about Jesus, we're not talking about some polite statement that Jesus is some cliche, some philosophical belief, or some you know, distant God. We're talking about this resurrected person who is God. Are you with me? And just a couple of more statements about who Jesus is, straight from the scripture, if you will. Um, and I'll just, I'll just list these out. I think, do we have a, a, a text for them? Here we go. So scripture says that Jesus is um, the maker of heaven and earth, the alpha the, and omega, the beginning and the end, the son of God, the humble servant, the good shepherd, the prince of peace, the resurrection and the life, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the great high priest, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the way, the truth, and the life. This is the Jesus we're talking about. Amen. Do you know this Jesus? Now, when it comes to the church, I want to go back to this conversation. How do we begin to um, form our lives around this, this Jesus? Because as a church, this is a unique thing. And I want to have kind of an insider conversation. And if you're new, um, we're glad you're here. We need to talk about what's under the hood. Okay, of, the, of what's, what we're going to talk mechanically here because um, 
the church is uh, identified as a bulwark of truth for all the world to see. The church is the, the household, the family of God. Um, Jesus passes off his um, mission of renewing all things to his followers. So the task of renewing all things has been entrusted to the church, which is empowered by Jesus himself, his spirit. But we are responsible to continue the work of Jesus in the world today. Do you know this? So I think some of us, I mean, all of us, we need to step up to the plate. We need to stop sitting on the sidelines and jump in and get our hands dirty. What are you waiting for? Do you know this Jesus? Because I think some of us have been captivated by the Jesus of suburbia. Who just wants to make our lives a little nicer. Gee golly shucks. (laughs) I wrote that in my notes. No, I didn't write those. That would be horrible if I did that. So how do we operate then? We say, you know, Jesus is the head of the church. Well, Paul says in Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, Look, for, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation of any local church. Do you know that? Hopefully, he's the foundation of the garden. When I talk about, oh, all we had was Jesus and his mission and a few people that said, let's do this. That's the truth. There was no possible way we would be here today if it wasn't for Jesus, I promise. Some of you that were there in the beginning, you, you're shaking. Yeah, obviously this is a miracle. Especially you, Darren. Just kidding. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 says, uh, 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let me just break this down for you. The apostles and prophets, church planners, and those that start the ministry build this household called the church. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. It's all about him. And it begins to construct what Paul says says is the new temple the church is the new temple now we don't really have temples today necessarily we're not bringing sacrifices and killing animals for our sins we're not we're not seeing the sacredness of space in a way that says this is where the divine this is where the divine and the ordinary interact this is where where god meets with his people that's what the temple represents it's a place of holiness it's a place of truth it's a place of justice it's a place of forgiveness and he says to the church you're being joined to build the temple in long beach You are the temple for this city. God's not planning a church. He's building a temple. You are it. So he can dwell here. So he can dwell here. He can dwell here. Come back to that. Jesus is the foundation and our cornerstone. He's the head of our our church. He is what we founded on. We are empowered by him through his spirit to continue to proclaim his message and do what he did. The garden believes that Jesus lives and that we should all live for Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the way. He is life. There is no life apart from Jesus. I promise you that you will find yourselves empty if you pursue anything else other than Jesus Christ. He is grace, meaning that He empowers you to do what you can never do on your own in the first place. 
He is resurrection. Every story that's being told is a story of a possible resurrected story. When you come to the end of yourself, he gives you another chance. He brings redemption and renewal into your lives, into our story. This is the story that's being untold. Jesus is hope, not the cure from whatever disease you have. He is the ultimate hope. He is Savior, meaning you can never save yourself from anything. Even if you go to AA, you recognize the step number one is I'm powerless over my own addiction. And eventually there's a higher power up there. That's Jesus. Jesus is love. And his love is too good to be true every time. I promise you that. Jesus is enough. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus is future. Those of you that are scared of dying, you will live for eternity with Christ. Do you know that? You have no reason to be afraid. No reason to worry about future outcomes. You have no control, but you do have Jesus. Jesus is possibility. This is my favorite one. I wrote wrote this for me. We live in a world that's full of despair, but Jesus is possibility. It's like I love playing the what if game with my wife. What if we won the lotto? What would we do? What if, you know, this happened? What if we went to this place? And, And she's, you know, a realist, so... It's like it, she, she hates playing that. In fact, we already, we're already working on re- recognizing our, our roles in parenting. And I've, I'm new to it, so it's nine months in. And I clearly have an imagination of a child. And my son can barely, you know, he's just starting to crawl. He pulls himself up. But I am already planning, you know, the forts we're building in this particular house. And, you know, the, the, the things we're going to do in the future. And they, I just come back. I'm like, I found this cardboard box. He's going to love this. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, you, you know, and so Jesus creates possibilities because he creates worlds, right? He spoke the world into existence. If all things are held together, what does it mean for you to live empowered by this God who wants to empower you with life and every possibility imagined? Jesus is everything. And who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? In the Gospel of Mark, the whole book transitions When Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? Who do you say he is? You see, if I need to let you know that Jesus is not some accessory. He's not some addition who comes to somehow improve your life. Jesus, you have to if you don't recognize Jesus comes to give you a whole new life. Then you fail to understand the Jesus we're talking about. If your faith in Jesus doesn't cost you every aspect of your life, then you fail to recognize the Jesus of the scriptures. For those of you that want a new beginning, you're here and you want a new beginning. I just have to tell you, it's simple. Come to Jesus. You don't need a new marriage. You don't need a new car. You don't need a new boat. You don't need a new house. A new house isn't going to give you a genesis. Jesus is going to give you a new start. He's going to give you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. This is the Jesus we know. He's a a God who is with you, a God that's ahead of you, a God who's for you, a God who's behind you. It's not about 
It's not just about accepting that reality. Following Jesus will change your life for eternity. Do you know this? It's not just about, okay, God, um, it, it begins with just this unbelievable grace. This is the God we worship. And Jesus says, yes, come, come to me just as you are. And then, and then he says, now, I want you to live life with me. And this is what we see all throughout the scriptures. He wants you to continue this revolution that began with whispers of a man being forgiven of sins as he was lowered down. That's Ruth. He invites you to carry on what he was doing when he touched the leper. Instead of proclaiming it, he actually touched the leper and healed the leper. He wants you to continue to do what he's doing. He wants you to say yes and invite as many people along with you. And he says God's kingdom has come. His reign is here. His way of life, the one marked by beauty and justice and peace and forgiveness and love and joy, the life that is life, it's available for you, but not just for you, now through you. Your life becomes the one that just continues on to usher in joy and healing and peace and justice and love and grace and forgiveness to the rest of the world. He wants you to tell everyone. It's like he says to you, hey, hey, you. Yes, you. This life, this life, this life's going to come through you. The life that, that you see here, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen through you. Yes, you. You will be used for justice and, and reconciliation. You will be used for the peace that you know, uh, transcends all understanding. You will be used to bring love and hope to the least kinds of people. And, and you're going to share this with everyone because it's too good to be kept in for yourself. Open all the doors of your house and windows and let the world know that this is for everyone. He says, yes, I'm talking about you. 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 Yes, you. And if you're like me, the response is, wait, 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 time out. Ah, you're not talking about me. No. Gosh, I mean, do you even know what you're saying? Did you see how I treated my wife last night before I closed my eyes to prepare for a sermon? Did you see how rude I was, how angry I get? Oh, and the way I, I, I try to elevate myself and prove myself and the way I really feel like the value I get from, from what people think of me. Do you, do you see, like, me? No, 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 no. Like, I'm terrified. There's no way I can, there's no way. I'm, I'm absolutely afraid. I'm terrified. I'm so insecure. I'm full of sin. I'm afraid of being found out by everyone. I'm afraid that they'll realize that I'm not good enough. God, there's no way you can include me in this. There's no possibility. My list of problems is far too big for you to say me. No way. And he just says, yes, you aren't good enough. You are inadequate. You'll never have it figured out. But yes, you, you, I make you good enough. I take away that shame and fear. That, that pro- those problems that you don't think I know about, I know every single one of them. In fact, that costs me a lot. And that's why I simply have to say, yes, you, you're exactly what I'm looking for. Come to me. I can see that you're tired. 
carrying burdens, you're anxious, I'll give you rest. Taste and see that I'm good. Do you know that, Jesus? We all talk about Jesus. But we're talking about this Jesus. He wants us to speak this message and share this world and demonstrate this reality. So this Jesus is so messy. Gosh, you invite that God into your life? Oh my gosh. Your world's turned upside down. I promise you that. It's not come to Jesus and he'll, he'll sort it out. Well, he will eventually, but it's going to get far messier than it ever was. Because now it's, you're aligning your life, your, your parenting, your, your week, your schedule. You're waking up early. You're going to bed late. You're, you're giving money to guys on your date night because that's what Jesus would do. I mean, you just don't know what else to do but to, to allow him to invade every aspect of your soul and every aspect of your being and your thoughts. And then he invites you to care for the poor and to go after the lost and touch the lepers. And that's so, super uncomfortable. That's insulting to my sophistication. That's the Jesus we're talking about. So at the Garden Church, we simply want to say we're all about that Jesus. And if you're looking for a different one, I know a lot of great churches. This is the church we're talking about. This is the God we're talking about. I love how N.T. Wright summarizes this. He says this, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus. If you want to, and go on looking until you're no longer a spectator, but you are actually part of the story, which has him as a central character. This is my invitation to you. This is the beginning of a fresh season for the church. This is a fresh season for Long Beach, I believe it. Churches are saying that around the city. It seems like there's a receptivity to, uh, to the gospel again and maybe to the church as well. And I just want to say uh, our vision is it's to show people this Jesus. Our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of this Jesus. My hope in this series and in this sermon is this. If somebody comes to you and says, I want to know what God's like, you could say just... Hey, come hang out. I want to see this living God. Hey, come to the garden. No, just, just come, come hang out. You could take a friend and you know that they're going to encounter the living, breathing, resurrected Jesus Christ because of how we are. Because of how we live. Because we believe in this Jesus. Because our lives are marked by this Jesus. And you can't, you can't argue against it. All you have to do is show up and you know Jesus is going to confront that person. I want this church to be a place where if anyone comes in with need and pain and brokenness and hurt, hey, come on. It doesn't have to be a program. It doesn't have to be an email. I, I can be confident. And if I brought a stranger into this place on Sundays or whatever community group, that that, that need would be taken because that's what Jesus would do. 
So, week one, we're all about Jesus. We're all about this Jesus. And from this point forward, let's make sure we know what Jesus we're talking about. Amen? Now, I want to just uh, do a, a Paul moment, I guess. Because he spends half of his work saying, you know, here's the, the gospel and the imperative. But, or the indicative, and then here's the imperative. This, in view of who Jesus is, now what? And I just want to ask you that. First question is obvious. Do you know this Jesus? Do you believe in this Jesus? And if you've never said, I, I, I believe, I want to believe, then I want to give you an opportunity just to publicly say, you know what? From this point forward, I'm going to figure out who that, this Jesus is. Would you just raise your hand right now? I know it's a brave thing. Thank you so much. You guys are so brave in the back. Just raise them up high. This is a day we celebrate. Let's give them up for the, the couple in the back. We're going to pray for them. So now that the rest of us, um, and this, is, this was my assumption, understand who that Jesus is, I'm going, to, I'm going to actually do a call for you. I want to invite you to live fully for him. Now, what I mean by that is simply this. I want you to examine your life and put Jesus at every aspect of your soul. He becomes the head of your marriage, the head of your physical body, the head of your emotions, the head of your mind, the head of your spirituality, the head of your parenting, the head of your work life, the head of your finances, the head of your hobbies, the head of your dreams. And I believe that if we could center Jesus into every part of our lives, that the vision we have of revealing Jesus to the city would become a reality. So if you feel like you've been at the garden and you get who I'm talking about and that's something you're willing to risk, I want to invite you to stand right now. That I'll, you want, you're basically standing to say, I want to live for this Jesus. Now, I just want to remind you That this Jesus will cost every aspect of your life. It is costly. It is not easy. You will suffer hardships. I promise this. So if you want to sit down, go ahead. I'm serious. I'm not messing around anymore. We're not messing around. We've got work to do. I'm giving you an out. Then pray with me this prayer. Lord, I dedicate my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Would you invade every aspect of my soul and release me into your, into your world to continue your message and your mission? Would you fill me with the, the power of the Holy Spirit? Pray in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.